0: Corinthians chapter 13, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. This morning I want to talk about love, but I want to talk about love in this way. It is love that binds our unity. It is love that binds our unity. Now, think about that statement. Love that binds our unity. What Why do we sometimes have problems being united? Because we don't have the love and respect for each other to follow through with what God wants us to do together. Think about that. Think about that. Let's look at um, 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 13. And um, because if we're going to talk about love that binds our, our unity, we need to understand about the bonding agent. How many ever see Gorilla Glue on TV before we read it? How many ever see the Gorilla Glue, the big old gorilla? <laughs> he, he can, his glue will glue anything. Well, I've tried Gorilla Glue, and I wasn't too thrilled with it (laughs) but you know what they don't make clear in the instructions there is a bonding agent you need to use to make the gorilla glue work did you know that Did you know that before you can use the Gorilla Glue, whatever you are gluing, it doesn't matter if it's metal, or if it's plastic, or if it's wood, or wood to stone, the first thing you have to do is get the bonding agent. Well, where do you get the bonding agent? You can't get it in the store. Did you? Well, you could get it in the store, but you have it in your home already. It's called H2O, it's called water. Before it will work, you gotta get the surface wet. Oh, wow. <laughs> because the water acts as the bonding agent. And whatever's in the gorilla glue is released then, and it bonds together to unite those materials together to glue together. Now, how many remember reading that in the instructions? Probably, we're like Tim Allen in Home Improvement. <laughs> You know, the directions are only suggestions, and we don't need for glue, what do we need instructions for? So we just do it, right? Well, in this case, we need to understand what bonds are unity. And it happens to be love. First Corinthians 13 and verse 13 says, and now abide faith. And I want you to notice what these ingredients here. These are all important to our unity, but the bonding agent happens to be the love. Faith, hope, love, these three, but what's the greatest one? But the greatest of these is love. Love is what caused Jesus to come down to save us. For God so loved the world that he gave. He was out of that love. I I, I told the staff... uh, we were dealing with some stuff at our staff meeting. And then I says, you know, I need to preach on unity again. This is supposed to be the love of God month. But then God showed me without unity, we grie- without unity we end up grieving the Holy Ghost. Without unity we'll never get things done. Without unity, we're not going to be able to reach the man, the woman, the boy, the girl who needs Jesus in our community. And so love is what causes us to be united. When I get together with the staff and we make a decision, united decision together, not me just making a decision, but the, thre- the three of us making a decision together, or when I get together with the elders and, and, and our clerk and we make a decision together on things, I expect that we're going to do it together and we're going to, out of love for each other, we're not going to go out of the meeting and say, I didn't want to do that, even though I said I did. Or, or I have a change of mind later on instead of understanding that it takes time to get things done. Do you know, we couldn't have moved into this building when I first came here. This building was up for sale the whole time I was, well, this building probably was up for sale before Pastor Dan left. We couldn't get that taken. We couldn't do that until we fixed some things. You know what I mean? We had to fix, our, we had to get our love back together. We need to go ahead and get unity back together. I remember coming to the church, and I would hear this expression, well, we're the old church, and them over there's the new church. And I'm thinking, wait a second, I've never heard of any such thing as the old, I thought the old church was those folks back in Acts chapter 2. I I thought that when we're the church, we're the church all together. It's not the old church and the new church. We all work together, we're one church. And we're going to find out this morning that the number one is very, very important. If we are to walk in unity, it must be done in love. Come on. And here's the things we need to make sure we have love for. We need to have the love for God. Hey, besides, listen, he loved us first, did he not? So we have to have the love for God. We need to have the love for this. The love for scriptures. Come on. We need to have love for each other. And you know what that love means? That we will forgive even when we don't understand something. We will forgive even if we think we got slighted. I I read something. Sometimes, uh, I'm not going to go there. Sometimes we wear our hearts so much on our sleeve that we get offended so easily that we can't see that we are supposed to love the person who offended us. And they probably didn't even know they offended you. Come on. (laughs) Love and forgiveness goes hand in hand. That's why i got to forgive Hal when he acts like Hal. And hell's a pretty cool guy. Right? But once in a while, Hell's just gonna be hell, and he might not he'll just act like himself and not understand that he might have offended me. You've never done that, but it could happen one day. But I gotta love him so much that I say, Hell has the right to have a bad day. Come on. And I'm not gonna go pout, as my dog does sometimes. Oh (laughs) yeah. Oh, animals pout. They do. They're all like (laughs) four-year-olds. I don't know how old cats get, but I'll tell you what: dogs don't really progress past four years old. Maybe that's why we love them so. And then we need to have, not only do we need to have love for each other, but we need to have, oh, don't get offended by this phrase, we need to have our love for our fellow man. You know those persons outside the church (laughs) who aren't saved? When we walk down the halls of school, let us not ignore the band kids. Devin, can you go check on him? He got something in his head. <laughs> we got to, we, we can't, when we walk down the hall, we, we the kids who are a little odd, that are different from us, we got to love them too and not ignore them. Besides, you know, we never know on the days, there are some days we act a little odd. And our friends don't, and our friends don't ignore us. Come on. Why do we do that? Why do we see the odd-looking guy walking down the street? And I got to confess something. There's a guy. I affectionately, my my kids, <coughs> named a guy in our community affectionately. I don't know how it's just the way he dresses and the way he looks, the way he grooms himself. And he got to be known as Ick when my kids were littler. Now Ick is now married. He still looks the same way. Ick has to be somebody really special to get married. <laughs> I'll tell you. Because of the way he looks, the way he dresses, the everything now you're saying, well, you should have corrected him. It, was a lo- it became a loving expression. Yeah. He now has two kids. And when you see Ick with his kids, he is the loving dad who's always making sure that they're safe. All right. But most of us, when we would see him, would probably, because how he dresses, how he looks, would ignore him. Ooh, Ick. I don't want to be around him. Why do we do that? Does he not have a soul? Does he not have a heart need? Does he not need Jesus? Now I'm confessing. Do we overlook people like that? Because they look different from us? Act different from us? Or do they not need Jesus as well? And so to have love that's going to help us with our unity, we need to not only love each other and love God and love the Scriptures, but we need to love those outside of the church. And we need to get such a burden for them that we ache not to tell them about Jesus. That's why He gave us The ability to speak in tongues and to pray. Because when we do not know how to pray, the Holy Spirit prays for us. And what is He interceding for? Not just for us, but for those outside of the church to get them saved. Where is God's heart? God sent His Son. Why? Because He loved us. For God so loved the world that He gave us His only begotten Son. So if that's where God's heart is, why isn't the church's heart there also? Hmm. We keep this faith, we keep this unity, I mean, by faith, hope, and love. Come on. Faith in the scriptures. That's what Joanne was saying this morning. Do we have a faith enough to believe this book and do what it says? The Bible says you can be healed. Why don't we have the faith to see it? Ouch. Ouch. Do you know how many of I've been praying for you to get healed? There are some people in our church that have such great potential if they would get healed. I'm talking about God would reach into their minds and heal their minds if healing, they have such great potential for God, and yet they still have potential just the way they are. But I think about it, Lord, if you would just heal that one or heal that one, oh Lord, that would be out of their way. But then again, sometimes we need to embrace what makes us different and say praise God, God made me this way so that I can reach people like me. Come on. Remember Paul didn't get his healing when he asked for it over and over and over again because God wanted to keep him humble. We need to have faith that the scriptures are faithful. <laughs> people in this day and age that we live don't see the scriptures being faithful today they tell god how to interpret it instead of letting god tell them how to interpret it we have churches in our community that do that we got one lady who comes to one of our life groups and she says but i love how she preaches over there but do you know what they believe over there Now, I don't want to attack anybody, and I'm not doing this to attack, but in the last days, we will take on preachers, the Bible says, that will tickle our ears. Instead of going ahead and preach the whole word of God, which makes us uncomfortable, because God wants us to change. I, I, t- let me tell you something. God says, I want you to change your behavior. I want you to change this in your area of your life. Guess what we do? i don't want to change i like the way i am (laughs) (laughs) or maybe we don't like the way we are but it's still changes like change is uncomfortable i don't want to have to do it differently Hmm. i'm telling you stupid disease i have I'm supposed to change everything. You know, the way I eat, the way I do, the way I exercise. I just learned something that they never told me about when I should exercise. They always say, just get up in the morning and exercise. Ah, that's the worst time. Huh. Well, it helps, but it's not the best time. I just found out that after my noon meal, if I wait twenty minutes and I exercise only ten minutes, it'll do me more good than exercising for a whole half hour in the morning. Oh wow. Why didn't they say anything about that? I could do t- ten minutes on the bike is a lot cooler than it
1: <laughs> is this ever gonna get over
0: with. And then I was told I didn't even have to exercise hard. <laughs> cool. You know that's one of the reasons I agreed when the kids in my house, even my wife, kind of sort of, even though she didn't want any animals yet, um, were talking to me about a dog. I said, okay, the dog will get me out walking except for in this cold weather. He can go outside and shiver, because he's got fur. (laughs) (laughs) I'm talking about fur. You know, everybody says you're supposed to give up something for Lent. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) That's partially right. I was going to use that as an excuse. (laughs) My trimmer wasn't working. So I thought, if it's dying, I don't feel like spending money right now on a new one. So I just went... so, not only are scriptures true, we need to have faith to see that the scriptures are correct. Well, isn't faithful and correct the same? Mm, sort of. But we don't always see it that way. Oh, the Bible's, the Bible's faithful, but I'm going to ignore that part. No, the scriptures are correct 100% of the time from Genesis all the way through Revolution. Love it. It's from the from the table of contents to the maps. It is all correct. Well, those those the the table of contents and the maps aren't really um, scriptural. They just are helpful. But we need to see it as correct. Also, we need to have faith. That the scriptures are true. Well, why do you include that? Because there's a lot of people go around, well, the scriptures are faithful. The scriptures are correct. Bah, I'm not. These are people who aren't saved, most of them. But I'm not sure if everything in there is true. Hmm. No, they're true. God said he destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah because of their sinfulness. He destroyed it. Today there's more evidence now that Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed and they believe that they finally found it than all these years. And what drives me crazy is these atheists out there say, well, how can the Bible be true because there was no camels in, the, in Palestine? By the way there was no such thing as palestine that's a made-up thing by a roman caesar at one point and it's a modern day fiction but there's no such animal as a camel in canaan land we've never found it back then amongst those people all right that means when when that's the case there were no tall ships in america either when When the europeans arrived (laughs) that's great (laughs) where did abraham come from he came from iraq guess what they had over there camels he was very wealthy don't you think if he was packing up the truck of the day was the camel and he was packing up all his household goods don't you think he would have been using a camel Just like Christopher Columbus came over in a tall ship and the conquistadors came over in tall ships. Otherwise, we're just going to say, well, they all must have came over in canoes because all the peoples over here just had canoes. (coughs) I love their sense of non-understanding of the people of the time. And then our kids go to school and they hear this dumb stuff. Because the Bible's not being allowed to be taught. Except there's a state someplace that now they can teach the Bible in the school. I can't remember which state. We also need... Okay, that's faith. We need to have hope in our salvation. Do we have hope in our salvation? Come on. (laughs) You know, without hope... We're all lost. This is why Christians shouldn't really be suffering from depression. Uh-oh, Pastor, now you're meddling. Because, you know, that's been diagnosed as a, the, a, 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 as a problem today. Yes, it is a problem today. But what, what is the solution to the problem? Is it your Prozac, your Zoloft? I don't even know what they use today completely. My son probably could tell me a whole list of drugs they use now. Uh, or, or Joanne. What is the solution to our depression? Hope. And we have tons of hope because of Jesus Christ and our salvation and because of the resurrection. All right. All right. You want to talk about depression? Read the book of Psalms. How many times was King David depressed? Oh my what solved his depression? Oh mm. Worshipping God? I had a man in my church in, in Kansas. All of a sudden something happened to his mind and he went into severe depression. He believed in Jesus. He loved Jesus. You know what his wife did? She took all the sounds and took a tape recorder and she read all the sounds into that tape recorder and every day hour after hour he would listen to those psalms until they got into his head and into his heart and guess what solved his problem it was the scriptures it was the hope in jesus christ it was those the praise of god found in those psalms. and he came out of that depression never to suffer from it again And then I heard somebody said about their father, they went into depression and they were told, and I can't remember, he told me it was A.A. Allen or if it was Schambach or who told him to go out into the desert where he lived and get out in the middle of the desert and start praising God. Well, he says his father went out there and after five minutes of praising God, He went praising God. He looked at his watch. I've only been here for five minutes. And he told me I'm supposed to spend all day out here praising God. So he got really busy. And when he came out of the desert, he was cured. Why is it that we look to man all the time for our answers when Jesus has all the answers we need? Oh, that goes back to faith again. Do we have the faith to trust Him and believe Him? Because He's given us hope. Jesus paid a great price so that we can be saved. And then love. We need to have that love that we share the good news with others. Come on. Do we love people enough to share the good news with them? Do we? Oh, but we're so t- busy with our video games. We've got to kill everybody because we're fighting a war. Yeah, we're fighting a war, all right, but we're letting Satan win. It's time that we fight the real war that's around us. The war that counts. the war. And Paul says we don't fight a war of physical. We, war, we fight a war that's spiritual. Of principalities and powers. And in Jesus' name, they will flee before you. You think your video game is something to go ahead and be a warrior in your video game? Try being a warrior for Jesus. That's where reality is. That's where reality is. I love the description found in Psalm 133. Um, And Psalm 133 tells us the benefit, the benefit of unity. I love the description here. It's so poetic. Psalm (laughs) 133. And, and I love how Psalm 133 starts with a royal declaration. Let's put it up on the screen. Behold! Now that is a royal declaration if I've ever seen one. Behold! Behold! God is telling us how. Good, and how pleasant is it for the brethren to dwell together in unity. Behold! That means we're supposed to behold that unity with each other. That is awesome. <laughs> That's not just flowery words. Oh, this is a beautiful poem, however. He says, how good and how pleasant is it for the brethren to dwell together? This royal, de- this royal decree declares it to be good. It declares it to be pleasant. Oh my word, how many times do we wish that things were pleasant and good around us? Well, dwell in unity then with your brothers and sisters in Christ. And who, is, who are to dwell in unity? It tells us it's the brethren. Who's the brethren? The family of God. It's his church. We are to dwell in unity. And Paul talks about this unity that we need to have over and over and over again. That means we need to love one another and work together. And we need the Holy Spirit. Now, look at this beautiful description of the Holy Spirit in the rest of one thirty-three. It's like this unity. It is like the precious oil Upon the head, running down the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down on the edge of his garments. I'll tell you what, the old King James describes it even more beautiful than that. It is like the dew of Hermon, descending upon the mountain of Zion. For there the Lord commands the blessing, life forevermore. The oil and the dew are representations of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that what we want? Oh, the Holy Spirit just running down upon us. And then the, that anointing to be so strong, it's like the dew and it covers everywhere we go. Oh, and that comes because of unity. Wow. Wow. The Holy Spirit, we need to look at the Holy Spirit's role then in unity. Let's, go, let's run over to Ephesians chapter 4. This is actually the actual text of the whole sermon. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4, 1 through 6 is what we're going to look at. Verse 1 says... I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. Paul calls for us to walk worthy of our calling. Hmm. But the King James Version uses the word vocation. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the vocation with which you were called. Wow. The only way to understand all of this, all, the only way to understand this is to understand all of us have been called to a purpose. All right? Again, what does it say here? I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling which, which you were called. The only way to understand this is to understand that we have all been called to a purpose. So another word for calling, there could be purpose. You have a purpose. I have a purpose. Everyone here has a purpose. It doesn't matter how young you are, how old you are, how you look. You Short, tall, skinny, chubby, We all have a purpose from the Lord. And that's why I feel the better word here, instead of calling, is vocation. It gives us the idea that each of us has a role to play, a job in the kingdom of God. Now let me tell you something about our translations. They couldn't just translate the King James word for word and say, we have a new Bible here that's easier to understand. Did you know that? Hmm. Even if they go ahead and do a word-for-word translation from the Greek and Hebrew, they cannot go ahead and make it sound anything like the King James Bible. Why? They have to have over a th- so thousands of changes to how their Bible reads compared to the King James in order to get a copyright. So sometimes you'll go ahead and compare the translation you love to the King James and the King James word when you actually would study it, get out your Greek lexicon and study that word, I know most of us don't do that, and study that word and find out, oh, the King James word is actually better than the word that they chose here. Why did they just use the same word? Because if they had used the same word, they wouldn't have gotten their copyright. so in this case, vocation is the better word. Now, what your translation probably did is perfectly all right. Now, the NIV is not a word-for-word translation. It is a word, it's a thought-for-thought translation, and that's why it gets so messed up and leaves so many thoughts as footnotes. Because if I'm translating thought-for-thought, my thoughts become more important than what I'm reading then. And then, oh, I'm not sure about that, so I'm going to make it a footnote. Wait a second. Mm -hmm. And that's why a paraphrase is so dangerous. Because a paraphrase is just whatever I think it says. Right? Did you know the Living Bible originally said, where the Bible says that you are the apple of God's eye, it actually talks about poking poking God in the eye? That's the original one when he first did it, then they corrected it later on. But isn't that... Mm. Luther would call this vocation he called it a priesthood of the saints men and women together being priests for the Lord there was no segregation in his mind with that one men and women are equally called to serve the Lord but I'm just a lay person pastor I don't get paid you're still a servant everybody's been called did he not call us all witnesses? That means we're all called. We all have a vocation. We all, that's why he gives you gifts of the Spirit. He gives you gifts that you're supposed to use. So if you've got the gift of knowledge, guess what you've got? You have a vocation of using the gift of knowledge. So why don't we? Uh-oh. You know, if you don't use your gift, eventually God will take it away from you and give it to somebody else who will use it? It's in the Bible. So use the gifts he's given you. The church needs it. Amen. We need the gift of wisdom. Oh my word. Brother Callahan in our church, he was an old guy. Um, he would have to take up more than he would have to take up two of these seats here just to be comfortable. You could always tell when God was using him because his eyes would get really bright and what would come out of his mouth was such wisdom, you knew it had to be the Holy Ghost. And boy, I'll tell you what, we needed that. And I always praise God that God allow, that Brother Callahan allowed God to use him that way because we needed that wisdom that would come out of that mouth. Other times it was like, oh, that's just old Brother Callahan. You never knew if Brother Callahan was sleeping or if he was paying attention because his eyes were always like this in church, because his <laughs> eyes were bad. But you always knew that he was paying attention because all of a sudden you'd hear, Amen! That's right! And that loud too. <laughs> to walk worthy, we must have unity. Unity, agreement, a meeting of the minds. To have the same purpose and direction. Paul calls for this unity of the Spirit. Verse 2 and 3 says, Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, there is one body. And one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your. Oh, I'm sorry. First, skip verse two. We are called with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, <laughs> endeavoring to keep the bond of keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. So Paul calls us calls this the unity of the spirit. It is in the bond of peace. You know when we make a decision to go ahead and have a unified Bible study that a bunch of our different life groups are going to do the same Bible study and we agree to do that, then we're supposed to do it in the bond of peace and in unity. We're not supposed to be on different pages every other week. We're supposed to be doing the same chapter every week. And we discuss it and we get together. And when we make those agreements, there's a reason for it. Do you know why we did that whole study that... I wasn't thrilled about everything that was in that book. You know why we did it? Was to get our minds focused on the people around us because the people around us need Jesus and we needed to understand the millennial generation along with the generation Zers coming up behind them. We needed to understand what makes them tick. We got to start thinking about the people instead of just being inward focused. We need to be outward focused. We can't think that church is all done within these four walls. We need to understand the church is supposed to be done not just here, but out there. This is our storehouse. This is where we get fed. Then we go out into our community and we tell them what we know. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> But if we're on different pages, how can we have a real discussion on how to do it? You know what it was? That whole study was just six weeks. I just didn't want to spend more than six weeks on it. Six weeks. I wanted to prime the pump. Now, most of you young folks don't know what I'm talking about. But you older folks understand that if you wanted to have water in the morning, It might have been your job to go prime the pump. Meaning, before you went to bed, you made sure there was a bucket of water next to the pump. You made sure, because if you didn't have water in that, you had no water for the day. And so you had a bucket of water. And if you didn't have a bucket of water, you might have to walk miles to get some water. And so it might have been your job to get up in the morning and take that bucket of water and pour it into the top of that pump and start pumping to bring the water up so you could have water. That's all that book was there was to prime our pumps so that we would reach people for Jesus. This, this uh, unity in spirit is also carried out in humility. Now let me tell you what he's talking about. That. It's humility where we're thinking about others not just ourselves. Come on. It's done in meekness. You better do it my way around. Don't no, we do it in meekness. <laughs> My word, boy! I'll tell you what—you should hear our youth group on Wednesday night. Robin's saying, "You better do it or else." No, she does. Does she do that? No. My word, she—the the girls might come out of there crying sometime. But my word, it's not because she was being mean. She because Robin's doing it in meekness. It's the Holy Ghost that's trying to get their attention. Oh, but you're talking about change. I don't want to change. I love you. <laughs> Doesn't that sound like Robin? I love you. I see it when she's typing it out. <laughs> it's done with, this unity of the spirit's done with long-suffering. I, I didn't want to write patience there. That's the other word that you could use, but no long-suffering fits better there. Meaning we have, we have to have what I call stick Come on. Realizing all great things is achieved in time. That's why some things take longer than others, and and the problem is some of us have ADHD. (laughs) We're like my dog. He's just going along, having fun. All of a sudden, out of the corner of his eye, he sees through the big picture window, ooh, squirrel! And he forgets everything we were doing. I thought you wanted to play, as Bodhi calls it, Tuggle, the tug-of-war. Uh, black labs love to play tug-of-war. All of a sudden, squirrel! Oh, there's a squirrel! And then I have to watch the window again. <laughs> and we do that, but there's things that we have to be, like God has been with us long, suffering, putting up with us. To see the victory. We've had people in our church that if we weren't long-suffering with them, they wouldn't be where they are, are today. That's right. It breaks my heart that more churches aren't like ours. We have people in our church, honest, true, don't get offended by this, but we have people in our church that other churches would never use in 100 years. That's right. That's they would say, go over there and sit in the corner. You're, you're too odd for us right now. They don't see the potential in the person. But our church, you come here and we love you. We see the potential in you because if... I'll tell you why we see potential in you. If you're saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, that means God indwells you. You've got potential. And we we love you no matter what. We're long-suffering with you. We we we. Wait, we patiently work with you until all of a sudden things start clicking and it's like oh thank you Jesus look where they're at now compared to where they used to be. I wish more churches were like that. We'd have more people saved. And if God's done that for us we need to do that more for each other. And God the Father is a great example of being long-suffering. How long has he kept from Jesus is coming back one day, and after the millennial reign, what happens? The great judgment seat, and this whole world is going to be burnt off, and all those people are going to go off to hell. How long has God been long suffering, so more people, can, so we could get saved? Yeah. Can you imagine if He only waited a thousand years, we wouldn't be sitting here saved today. That's because of His long suffering, because He wanted to see us saved. Think about it. But one day, one day, time will run out. And that's why we need to be busy telling people about Jesus, because I believe we are in those days where time is running down. And listen, all this unity in the Spirit has to be done with love for one another. And let me tell you, if we are loving one another, that means we are showing each other respect. Come on. Did you know what Marilyn did? Do I want to. I don't want to know well. what Marilyn did. <laughs> now if you're telling me something good, great, but I don't want to hear that Marilyn had a bad day. <laughs> Unless you're asking for prayer for Marilyn. Right. There's two different ways of doing it. That's right. And don't use your opportunity to give a prayer request as an opportunity to gossip. Amen! That's why I love how we, sw- how we can now send out text flashes for prayer requests. We just get to the point of what's really going on. Together we will accomplish much. And we need to understand that unity equals one. This is where we're going to conclude. It equals one. Look at verses 4 through 6. There is one body. See the word one? One spirit. There's one body. It's the body of Christ. It's us. One spirit. Just as you have been called in, one hope of your calling one Lord one faith one baptism one God and father of all who is above all and through all and in you all thank you Jesus and I want you to notice look how faith hope and love works into all those now these three abide did you see how faith hope and love is all the way there How that faith and hope along with love is in the unity in the spirit. Did you see that? Again, there is one body, one spirit. Just as you're called in, oh here we go, one hope. Of your calling, one Lord, one faith, there it is. If you don't think we can't do that in love, because all of a sudden he says in verse 6 and 1, God the Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. And if you understand anything about God the Father, he is love. And so if he dwells in you, love is present. And the greatest of those three is love. Can you say amen? amen. Paul brings everything we have learned this morning under one idea, one. One under the idea that it's all one so let us join together in one purpose to spread the gospel of wapen and breckenridge by praying for the lost like we did this morning and i didn't plan on us praying then but all my word the spirit of god was moving right then and as the lord said have them intercede for wapen and breckenridge and then i double checked i said lord is are you sure you want me to have them do it? And he said, yes. did I just say so? <laughs> <laughs> but a lot of times I always, I want to make sure it's not me because I ate pizza last night, which I didn't. <laughs> we usually have pizza on Saturdays and it was nice. We were pizza out from the last couple of weeks. And we didn't have pizza. You know what my wife did for me? She made me ribs. Oh, <gasps> oh, oh. Yeah. Oh, no, there was no leftovers. Andrew wished there was another slab. <laughs> Tell you what, that was the best pizza I ate in a long time. <laughs>
1: I kind of had them on sale.
0: That's why we had them. Uh, so we joined together in one purpose, to spread the gospel of Wapenor, by praying for the lost those who do not know jesus as their lord and savior we just don't want to take a bunch of christians from over here and bring them over here no, no we want to get the people who are unsaved in here not. now if there's people who want to join with us who are already saved to help us do it great Amen. we need to do it by discovering ways to attract our neighbors to christ and how to meet their heart needs we need to learn how to do that amen Then we need to be going together. (laughs) We're going to start hearing this phrase more and more. Then we're going to learn how to go together, taking the church, taking new life into the streets and into the neighborhoods. That is our challenge. To love each other and to show love to our neighbors. Will we heed that call? Will we heed that call? Will we say, Lord? Mm-mm-mm. Will we come to have a Jesus moment and say, Lord, I heed your call today to be your witness at school? Lord, I heed your call to be your witness on the job. Lord, I heed your call to be your witness in the Walmart. Lord, I, I heed your call to be your witness when I go into the bank or just drive down the street. Will I heed your call? Will I be moved with compassion? Will I pray for those who don't know Jesus? Jesus. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we ask You, Lord, that You would touch us, that Lord, we would be sensitive to Your call, and Lord, we would be moved by Your Spirit to act as one body, with one faith and one hope, with one baptism, to go into our community, And see Wapiton and Breckenridge reached for Jesus Christ's sake. That Lord, we would love you so much that we couldn't help but love those that you love that are unsaved, who are different, who need you. Oh Lord, I think about those young people who lost their lives in Florida this last week. if someone could have just reached that one young man who is so hurt, confused, and messed up, so much so that he would take a rifle and go and kill his classmates and teachers. Oh Lord, why do we overlook people like that? Oh, if somebody could have reached him for Jesus, and Lord, you could have got a hold of his heart and his mind, there is no way he would have done what he did. But Lord, as I heard in the news, is that we are, as a society are a hopeless We don't have hope in our society anymore. We've changed so much. Lord, the church has a response. And we have the hope that we want to bring to a world that is dark and lost, who don't know you, Jesus. And because of that, they don't have hope. Lord, you've given us the answer. Help us to be the one. Help us to be the one that reaches out and shows your love by telling someone that Jesus loves them. Oh Lord, help us, Lord. Help us to see those around us in a new way. Their need for, our, for you, Savior. Their need for our Savior. Their need for for what we have. Help us to touch them with your love. In Jesus' precious name, amen. 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 Go ahead, you can play that song softly. I was going to skip it, but go ahead play it. Yeah. The church is one foundation. Song we should learn again. While this song sang, plays, I want you to take a moment and think about the people that you meet every day. Think about the people who live around you. Think about the people who need Jesus. Think about that while.